All right, guys, so um, I have a really special bit of news for you today. You don't have to listen to me preach. You can clap. It's okay. You can clap. It's okay. Um, we are today uh, really fortunate to have uh, a guest preacher who is with us. He's been with us this weekend, uh, Dr. Mark Roberts. Uh, Mark... Uh, some of you will recognize he has been here before, spoken here before. He um, was a pastor in Irvine, California for quite a while. And um, was that it for Irvine? Okay, good. There we go. Irvine, California. You, you never know where that's going to. Um, but where he really intersected with us was Mark was the executive director for a long time out at Laity Lodge. If you've uh, been to Laity, uh, to the different uh, ministries, it's an amazing place. Mark, uh, as I said, led that initiative for, for several years. Uh, we got to interact with him uh, uh, many times in the midst of that, which was a great gift for us. And Laity Lodge has been a great gift for um, this whole region of the country. Uh, for the last five years, Mark moved back to California. He's been the executive director, and he is the executive director of the Dupree Leadership Center at Fuller Seminary. Uh, he's been with us this weekend talking a little bit about uh, faith and leadership, what leadership in the city looks like. He's been talking uh, yesterday morning about um, faith and work, uh, two things that we normally keep running in totally separate lanes. Uh, and how do we live what Mark talks about as an, as an integrated life? Uh, integrating our faith into all we do, where we live, work, and play. And he's going to reflect on some of that uh, with us this morning here in worship. So will you join me in welcoming Mark Roberts? Thanks, Thomas. And do I have to turn something on? Okay, no, we're going to be good. Am I good? Can you hear me? All right, very good. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for that uh, warm introduction, and, and especially for the invitation to come. And so good to be with you folks and, and, and get to worship with you. Actually, last time I preached here, I did the four-service thing, and it was really weird to preach here because I come running in, and, and all I did is preach to this room full of people that I hadn't actually been with, and, and I didn't get to enjoy your worship. So thanks for a little adjustment there, and John's holding forth over there, so we're good to go. I, it's a gift to be able to to be with you and, and to worship with you. I, I've said in the other services, one of the things I have so appreciated about this church over the years is the quality of your worship life, your music life, your preaching life, and it's really a, a gift to be able to be a part of that with you this weekend. Uh, I love your mission statement, encouraging one another to follow Jesus wherever we live, work, and play. Uh, I love it for all kinds of reasons. One of them, as Thomas mentioned, is it kind of overlaps with my work at the Dupree Center at Fuller. We focus especially on the question of what does it mean to follow Jesus where we work? And when we talk about work, we certainly mean work for hire, the work we get paid to do in life. But many of us have work that isn't paid work. Now, a bunch of you are students. Being a student is certainly work, right? Do I get amen on that? Yeah, it, it, it's work. And uh, a bunch of you are going off to college, and it'll be more work and, and harder work. And so there's that part of work. Some of you may be not working for a, a salary, but you work a lot in the context of your home or your neighborhood or your volunteer work. So when we talk about work, 
Yes, paid work, absolutely. But it's, it's all the different kinds of work that we do. What does it mean to follow Jesus in our work? This morning we're going to read a, a short passage of Scripture from the Gospel of John. It's a resurrection appearance of Jesus in which he talks about really who we are as his people. And so if you are able, will you stand for our Scripture reading this morning? Listen to God's word from John 20, 19 to 22. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Gracious God, for your word we give thanks and are glad to be able once again to take some time this morning to listen to what you have to say for us. May our, our minds and hearts be attentive to you. And Lord, help my words to be accurate and true. Let your spirit be moving among all of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I grew up in a wonderful church in Southern California, Presbyterian Church. And uh, I mean, we, we worshiped wonderfully. The, the, the gospel was preached. There were great programs for youth. And one of the things we did a lot of, we did a lot of sending we did a lot of sending people into the mission field. That was uh, a big part of who we were as a church. Over the years, we sent dozens upon dozens upon dozens of missionaries out, and we celebrated when we were able to do that. When we would send people in the mission field, one of the things we would say, one of the passages we would use, is the, the one that I just read this morning, where Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And we would use that as we sent people out in the mission field. I don't really think we ever really thought about, though, how that passage not only speaks to those who are physically going to another place to serve the Lord, but how that passage actually speaks to us right where we are. Now, fast forward 30 years, and I'm a pastor in Irvine, California. Can I hear an amen for Irvine? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Somebody from Irvine. Uh, so it's the mid-1990s, and the church that I inherited, Irvine Presbyterian Church, was also a strong sending missionary church. We loved to send our people out into missions. We loved to support missionaries. In fact, when I got to the church, we supported more missionaries than we had kids in our high school group, even though we were right across the street from a high school. Now some of us are saying, ooh, that doesn't sound quite so good. Well, it wasn't. And, it was uh, as I was pastor there, a friend of mine named Mike started really challenging me and my leadership of the church to think differently about mission. He was reading a bunch of stuff from a guy named Daryl Gooder. You might have heard about Daryl, who's a good friend and a mentor of Thomas and a, a one who's done a lot of thinking about the church. And what Mike's argument was is that we shouldn't just be a missionary sending church, we need to be a missional church, one that realizes we have been sent. 
And in making that argument to me, one of the passages he would point to is John 20. And look, what Jesus said to his own disciples, in a a way he's saying to us as well, uh, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Now, something to know. I I don't know if anybody studies Latin anymore in school, but if you did, you, you might know that the Latin verb to send is related to the Latin noun, missio, from which we get the words mission, missionary, missional, and so forth. When we are sent, we are missional. That's what that word means. When we're sending, we're missionary. And so Jesus said to his people, as the Father has sent me, so I send you as a missional people. Now, obviously, in that original context, there was going to be a a literal kind of sending needed. I mean, all the disciples were gathered together with Jesus. If they were going to get the word out at all, uh, they were going to have to go out literally sent. When we speak about the church as sent or missional, we don't necessarily mean that you have to go to another place. If Covenant Presbyterian Church, if you, you own the fact that you are a missional church, it doesn't mean you have to uproot and go move somewhere. It's more about how we think theologically, how we understand God's relationship to us as a church. So, for example, some of you might know the history of this church. In the 1960s, a bunch of Christians got together and said, you know, we really believe that God wants to have a particular kind of church in this place, a Presbyterian church. And so they they made church together, and this church began. You could say, well, why are we here in this place? You say, well, there's a history, and that's why these people decided to be a good place to have a church. That's true, historically, but underneath that, at a deeper level, there's a deeper theological truth that this church is here, not just because some people thought it was a good idea, but because God was at work in and through those people, and God was sending this church to this place for God's purposes. As the Father has sent me, so I have sent you. When you acknowledge your fundamental sentness as a church, when you acknowledge that you are missional as a church, not just people sending people out, but sent ourselves, then your, your mission, your purpose comes to greater clarity. And you realize that you're not here in this place only or mainly to meet your own needs for worship and growth and discipleship, fellowship. That's important. But that's not the main reason you're here. You're not here mainly so that you can love one another and and enjoy the fellowship of God's people, though that's a great thing and you ought to. But you have been sent to this place because God wants to do his work not only in and among you, but through you in this community, in this city. In the classic language of the Blues Brothers, you're on a mission from God. But even more, it's not only that you're on a mission from God, really, you're on God's mission with God. You see, God is about the business of redeeming and restoring. God is about the business of bringing his kingdom with its peace and justice. God is about the business of helping this world to become mended from the result of sin. And and you get to be on God's mission. You're a part of God's work. 
To be missional is to, to participate in the mission of God. As your pastors are fond of saying, you are to be a love letter from God to the city of Austin. Now, when you own that, when you say, yeah, that is true, that is who we're supposed to be, that leads kind of uh, naturally into some questions like, well, what does this really mean for us to be sent, uh, uh, missional people? How, how should we think about this? How do, we, how do we live this out? How does it happen? And what I want to suggest is that there are two sort of categories of, of our, our life as God's people that we need to take in, into account here. That we need to think of ourselves as a sent church when we're gathered, gathered, and as a sent church when we're dispatched. We'll talk about that. First, gathered. One way you live out your sentness is by gathering together, right, right now. You gather here to worship. You gather here to, to, to learn. You gather here for fellowship. And as you gather, you're not just here for yourselves, but you're saying to your neighbors, you're welcome here. You heard Thomas's introduction, whoever you are, Whatever your secrets, you had a bad week, you have a good week, you're welcome here. You're not just here for you, you're here for those all around us in this city. And that's part of your gatherness. You, get, you, you gather together as a church to, to organize and sponsor programs for youth and for children. You do mission work, you serve refugees and homeless youth and senior adults. You gather together to travel to Belize or to Cuba to bring God's love to people there. And in these, in so many ways, in your gathering, you're living out what it means to be sent. Now, I need to say one of the things I'm really excited about, about your church, is that your gatheredness is, has a new expression in the Institute for Missional Formation. Uh, the, the, the website as it describes that says, the purpose of this institute is to help you learn to take your place in God's mission in the world. In other words, this is not an institute that's gonna go do missionary stuff on your behalf. Instead, it's gonna help you be formed to be missional, to live out your sentness right where you are as a church and as individuals. And it is as individuals that I think we need to uh, uh, envision ourselves as sent and dispatched. Now, dispatch is kind of an odd word. Mostly when pastors and theologians talk about the church gathered, they'll say it's the church gathered versus the church scattered, scattered out, and that's great and right. Uh, my hesitation about the word scattered is it's kind of random, you know, if you scatter stuff, right? You, you come home from a long day at school and you've got all your books and your gym clothes and whatever else you got, and you just go in your room and you just scatter, right? Not that any of you would do that, but, but uh, I would have. And, you know, it's just kind of random. And our being in the world and being sent into the world individually isn't really scattered like that. It's more dispatched. Now, what do I mean by dispatched? When we use that kind of language, we use it in a very special way. For example, if there's a fire, you'll sometimes hear the news talk about dispatching the firefighters to the place of the fire. Or if there's some sort of uh, 
a, a big emergency or crisis, we, we dispatch first responders. We use the language of dispatch uh, when we speak of, of armed forces being sent, dispatched to a particular need in a particular location. In 1944, my father-in-law, Bill, my wife's dad, was a part of uh, Patton's army, and he fought in the Battle of the Bulge in, in Europe. Some of you study your history, you know about that. And it was a, a historic and an extraordinarily difficult battle. And my father-in-law was a part of that army, but he wasn't just scattered out. The, the, Patton didn't say, well, just y'all just go out and you know, find something to shoot at. It was a very carefully organized thing. And in particular, my uh, father-in-law was a part of a reconnaissance team. So literally, he and his unit each morning would get their orders very specifically about what they were to do. They would get in an armed vehicle. They would drive across enemy lines to try and spy out what the Germans were doing. And if they were lucky or blessed, they'd actually make it back and be able to report in. And again and again and again, they were dispatched. What does dispatch convey? Intentionality, purpose, location, urgency. When you're dispatched, you don't get to say, well, you know, I think maybe I'll grab some lunch and then go fight the fire, right? So I think to think of ourselves as a sent community together, but then individually dispatched into the city, into places of work, into schools, into neighborhoods. And so whether you're in business or government, whether you're a teacher or a student, whether you're a surgeon or a sculptor, whether you work for pay or you work uh, as a volunteer, whatever the work is that you do, God has actually sent you in a dispatched way into that place for his purposes. And this, I think, makes a huge difference. It can make a huge difference about how we think about our lives, for one thing. It's easy to think, well, you know, my life's not very spiritual, you know? I just work for this company and, you know, I sell stuff or I make stuff. That can be true on a level. In a deeper way, God has put you there for God's purposes. Or you're a student. You say, well, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to Michigan to play lacrosse. That's why I'm going. Yes. Amen. And God has dispatched you to that place for God's purposes. So it, it changes the way we think about ourselves and our work. And it also changes the way we think about the church. Because if we ask the question, how is Covenant Presbyterian Church going to make a difference in Austin? How is Covenant Presbyterian Church going to be a love letter of God to this community? It's sort of most natural to think of what we do in the gathered way. We're going to have worship services, we're going to have a preschool, we're going to have these ministries and this mission. That's all great. And it's important and it's right. But I believe that actually the greatest impact this church will have in the city of Austin will be as you are dispatched into the world, into your different places of work and living and playing and studying. In other words, if you begin to think about all the different ways God can use you individually and together, if you say, okay, Lord, you've sent me 
Now what am I supposed to do? What are my orders? In one sense, your orders and my orders are, are, are pretty simple. They say, Ephesians 2, for example, verses 8 to 10. Ephesians 2, 8 says, we are saved by grace through faith. It's not from our own doing. It's not from works. We are saved by God's grace through Christ received in faith. Amen. Verse 10 goes on, though, to say, and we are his workmanship, or we are his handiwork, we're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. Not saved by works, created in Christ anew for good works. But it's important to realize that those good works are not just a little thing we might do here and a little thing we might do here, a little thing we might do here. Mostly I just do the normal stuff and then once in a while I go do something special. Colossians 3.17 says, everything you do, whether in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So if you're a student, yes, you are studying. Study as a representative of Jesus. Study for his purposes. If you're a teacher or you're a doctor or you're a lawyer or you're an investment banker or you're an entrepreneur or you're an artist or you're a mother or whatever it is you are, do everything. Now, you might be wondering, okay, so I get that, but what does that really, what does that really look like in the place that I work? What does that look like for me? And my answer to you on that question is, I don't really know. And it would be kind of weird and kind of arrogant if I came in here, I don't, even, I don't even live in this city, and all of a sudden I started telling you exactly how you need to live out your faith in the context of your workplace. That would be kind of weird. What I can tell you is that God has dispatched you to that place and that God wants to work in and through you and you get to have the adventure of discovering what that means. You get to do it individually and you get to do it together as the gathered community. One of the things that you need to be doing as God's people together is helping each other to figure out what does it mean for me to live out my faith in that place where I work. Again, it's part of my excitement about your Institute for Missional Formation. That's one of the questions you're going to be working on together. So though I, I won't tell you exactly how you are to live this reality, I will give you some examples just to sort of spark your attention. First one actually comes from my time as a, a student in college. And uh, had a lot of work, had a lot of schoolwork. I was also really involved in the Christian fellowship, heavily involved in the Christian fellowship on campus, almost to the point that it was sort of, I was putting more time into there and maybe not quite enough time in my work. And I met with my intervarsity leader. And he actually expressed some concern to me about that. And he said, you know, you're so committed to this group. It's awesome. Thank you. Your first calling here, though, what God wants you to do first and foremost is to be a student and to be an excellent student. I'd never heard of that before. That would be a way for me to live out in that context my being dispatched into the university. My daughter, Kara, 
is in her second year of teaching in a very difficult high school in Northern California, uh, teaching people who are not privileged or advantaged people, uh, mostly teaching people of color who have not had an easy time of life. Kara, my daughter, feels called to that. But in that, what does it mean for her to do that as a Christian? One of the things it means is she tries so hard to find ways to love kids, some of whom are not very easy to love. And she prays for the wisdom to be able to show the love of Christ, even though in a public school she is not free to talk about Christ. My friend Vic. Vic is a young entrepreneur. He's one of these, uh, one of these millennials who get, got into tech and you know, created this thriving company called Five Stars. They've got their office in, in San Francisco. And Vic is a faithful believer, and he's asking all the time, what does it mean for me to run this company as a believer? And he got excited about the idea that they could grow the company outside of San Francisco and grow it in places that really were economically uh, underserved and, and, and needed some help. So he did all this research. They ended up choosing El Paso, partly because of its, its location, and uh, so close to Juarez. And he said, you know, we're going to build part of our company in El Paso so that we can help that city thrive and we can help some of the people who live there get good work that they wouldn't get, be able to get otherwise. And Vic's excited about that possibility. Mary is a, a friend of mine who is a CEO of a gigantic company up in Iowa. They produce giant equipment to make um, chop down trees and grind them up and build ditches and all that sort of thing. Huge thing. 1,200,000 square foot inside of factory space, to get an idea. But last year, a giant tornado came through and wiped out 40% of their space. What do they do? What do you do? As, as Christians, Mary and her, her leaders said, you know, our first priority, first priority is to care for our people. Yes, we want to get our business back. Yes, we've got to figure out how we're going to complete the orders that we promised, and now we don't even have have the space. But number one, because of our faith, we're going to care for our people and make sure they're okay. We're going to work really hard to make sure our workers continue to get paid, even if that it costs us dearly as a company. My friend Nancy, 23 years ago, gave birth to a, a beautiful young girl who, as it turned out, has Down syndrome. And Nancy and her husband uh, lived life with the challenges of a special need child. And it was hard and sometimes lonely. And in her experience of that, Nancy began to have a vision of how God could use her to help others like her. And so she started an organization called Club 21, which serves children with Down syndrome and their families. They now serve over 100 young children and their families, helping them to discover resources and to thrive in ways they never would have imagined. Bethany works in, in my office. She's new to our staff. She's a, a support person, administrative assistant. She has this great sense of calling to show hospitality. And so if you come to my office, I guarantee you, you will be wonderfully welcomed and well-treated because that's in her calling. She's, she's just improved the quality of our life within our own office because she's there serving others as a Christian. My last example is Christine. Uh, Christine is a young woman, young to me. She's in her late 
20s. I know some of you probably think that's old, but at any rate, she is uh, young to me and is an executive at Apple. She's responsible. Every time Apple puts a new store somewhere else in the world, it's her job to make sure they do it right, which basically means take the Apple brand, but make it work in a different culture. So it's an amazing cross-cultural experience. Christine herself is, is a multicultural person. She's a, a, a Filipino woman uh, now in, in California. She's also a, a strong Christian who wants to live her faith in the context of her work. And so she's asking questions all the time about what does this mean for me to be a faithful Christian at work? One of the things she noted is that as a single woman, she had a lot of freedom to have meetings in the evenings or have all these expectations. But she realized that some of the people she supervises actually had families. And the Apple culture is a big, any of you work for Apple around here? It's like serious work culture. Okay, But she said, you know, because of my faith, I need to care for these whole people as whole people. And so she, she adjusted some of the expectations to make sure that her people could be home with their, with their families in the evenings. Now, sometimes they have to go back to work after kids get in bed from home. But nevertheless, that was her effort. The other thing she's done is help to organize a, a Christian community within Apple. There are now over 1,000 Christians identifying this community. It's open. Apple blesses it. It's, it's official, a place where, where believers can encourage one another. My guess is if we had more time today or if I knew you better, we could get many of you to talk about what it means for you to live as people dispatched into the world in your place of work. My hope is that next time I come back, if I'm invited back, Many of you will have stories to tell me about the things that you have discovered, the things that you have thought, the things that you have tried, about how the understanding that you're dispatched into this city has made a difference in you and maybe even in this city through you. And I look forward to, to learning about that with you and sharing with you in the adventure of discovering what it is to be sent, not only as gathered, but dispatched. Remember this, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I have sent you. Let's pray. Gracious God, for that good news we give you thanks. And for the excitement and challenge of being sent by you into the world. Thank you for the fellowship you give us and that we get to do a lot of that together as gathered people. And thank you also for the fact that we can be and are, are sent and dispatched into the world. Lord, help us to know what that means. Help us to discover what it is to serve you in our places of work and school and families and neighborhoods and all that we might live for you indeed, that we might live as your disciples wherever we live, work, and play. To you be all the glory. Amen.